Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yeah, off and running on this Saturday, February 29th. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Two hours in a row to run through it all. So uh, let's roll. Locked and loaded for this uh, Saturday morning. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Let's run down the numbers. 26 days now until opening day. Yankees and Mets. 15 days until Selection Sunday. You got 54 days until the NFL draft. And uh, maybe the most optimistic thing I can tell Nick fans, you have 23 games left in the season. Only 23 more of these to go. Piece of cake. That'll fly by like, like that. And tomorrow appears to be the day that Leon Rose is expected to finally take over. Imagine how long this process would have actually taken if the Knicks went out when they got rid of Steve Mills and actually looked at all the candidates, or at least some candidates. Because they got rid of Mills on either the 2nd or the 3rd or the 4th. It was very early on in February, and now tomorrow is March 1st, and it's basically taken a month And it looks like Rose could be uh, introduced as the uh, new Knicks team president as uh, soon as Monday. So that will be uh, very interesting to see what the approach, what's said there and all that type of stuff. But we got a lot of things to run through today and certainly want to hear from you at 1-800-919-ESPN. You got the Yankees issues with all the injuries, right? You got the latest with the Astros going on uh, with them, getting plunked by pitches, all those different things. You got the scouting combine going on. You just know that the Giants are not trading down. They gave you that confirmation this week, basically. You got all the Brady stuff. Where is he going to wind up? And I'm not going to start with any of that. How about that? We'll get to all those things over the course of the next two hours. But let's start with something that I never start with. Never, ever, ever do I start with. And that would be the New York Rangers. As you heard there in the uh, Sports Center. Rangers have obviously been a fascinating watch here the last few weeks. So fascinating, I've been watching them. And I never watch regular season hockey. But the way they've been playing, first making a playoff push, at first it seemed like, you know, just kind of a pipe dream, right? And then with the way they played, it seems it's it still uh, maybe does a real possibility, right? Nine straight wins on the road, one loss in uh, their last 10. They went into last night having won five straight overall. And the question to start the week is all about Chris Kreider. Do you, do you keep him? Do you deal him? Do you sign him? Do you continue to stockpile talent? And considering what some of the other players around the league were going for before the trade deadline, it was a very fair conversation because if the Rangers had decided to move them, it seems like in terms of their rebuilding effort, the stockpiling of talent, they could have gotten a real boatload for him. But if the question was, do you keep Kreider or do you lose him? Well, unfortunately for the Rangers last night, they're now going to get to find out both because they, they kept him. They signed him to the long-term contract extension. And then last night he goes out, fractures his foot, and the uh, Rangers lost the uh, to the Flyers. And there's no timetable for his return as of yet, but certainly a huge downer. 
Rangers have 18 games to go. Now, the good news is the teams that were in front of them last night also lost. So, I mean, if you look silver lining, at least the Rangers didn't drop back any further than they were. So, still two points behind, is it uh, Columbus, for that uh, that wild card. But that combined with the Shesterkin injury, certainly this last week has not exactly gone according to plan. Now, that was Sunday, the Shesterkin, the car accident in Brooklyn. And now with the and you had to expect right the Rangers were so hot like any team you're you're that hot eventually you're going to cool off and when you do cool off how how well do you play when you're not playing out of your mind and basically winning every single night it's all well and good it's like a basketball game right you're down by twenty points you fight to come back you get it even and then. You're going to eventually cool off, and the other team's going to start making some shots. So we'll see if the Rangers' run to the playoffs here is now derailed completely. We'll see if um, Kreider can get back. But as I said, I'm not a hockey fan. I'm not invested in the uh, the Rangers the way that some of you are. But I did find it interesting. Any team is playing as well as they are. They had the game against the Islanders the other night that was a fascinating game to watch. Islanders tie it up right before regulation. Rangers win it basically uh, a minute into overtime. But the things I did take from the Rangers run and how it, again, as I always tell you, I am, uh, I'm very selfish, but I'm very honest. I only care how it pertains to me. And if I'm not a Ranger fan, there are a couple of things that uh, I do take from their run. And the biggest one, and it kind of ties into the Knicks, is one, A, you can absolutely rebuild in New York. There is this idea, and it's not one that you should give any credence to at all. Well, you know, New York's different. You can't do certain things. You know, we expect a certain level here in New York. Really? Have you looked around lately? We expect a different level in New York. Stop. We're just like everybody else in some ways. And you can absolutely rebuild it. Anyone who tells you that you can't. And this is one of the things I'm going to be looking for when Leon Rose eventually has his press conference, whether or not it's going to be, you know, as a former agent, hey, we're going to be involved with free agents. That's the way we're, we're going to get stars here. We're going to build this thing through the star. Free agents are going to want to play at the Mecca. We have this history here. And if they, those are the things that are being said, be concerned. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Because what the Rangers have showed you, playing in the same building, playing for the same owner, you can absolutely rebuild. And anybody who tells you otherwise either is A, not from here, B, dumb, or C, both. Now, just because you say rebuilding does not give you an open-ended ticket. You know, the idea that the Knicks have been rebuilding the last six years is nonsense. They've done, not, they had a year where they tanked last year, which was the right approach, but nothing that they've done this year has been building, rebuilding, construct anything, anything productive. New Yorkers are more patient than, than they're giving credit for, but you have to show that you have a clue. Maybe not the instant you take over and start making moves right away. But you have to show somewhere early on that you are worthy of our time and that you know what you're doing. The other thing that the Rangers run here and the way they not just the run, but like a couple of years ago, they send out the letter saying, you know, we're going to kind of tear this down a little bit and build it back up. It shows that winning at the Garden is possible. Now, I get with the Knicks, it doesn't seem that way. They're coming off their worst season really ever last year. 
which was partially by design, but in ways this year absolutely feels worse. This year has been a complete waste of a season. Nothing productive has happened, not with the roster, not with the development of the players on the roster, not in terms of record. It's like a construction project that begins. There's a whole bunch of hoopla when it begins, and then nothing really happens. You're driving past it every single day. There's nobody working on it. There's nobody doing anything. There's no progress. It's just there. Yeah, in terms of construction projects, it would be like the 2nd Avenue subway. (laughs) Or I likened it to the uh, Great Pyramid of Giza. You know what I mean? It was going on and on and on. Nothing. The difference is obviously the Rangers have hired people with a track record. They have brought people in that when they walked in the door, you didn't know necessarily they were going to win for you, but you knew what they were capable of doing and that they were capable of doing the job that they were hired to do. Which brings us back to the Knicks, hiring of Leon Rose. Again, a way the Knicks have gone many times before, outside the box. Now, he has been hired... And he's been involved in the league for a very long time, but he's never done this job before. And when he comes in the door, I will say this. He has some things going for him. It's not all bad news. How can you say that? I mean, he's taken over a job. I mean, the team has done nothing. I understand that. I mean, the Knicks have lost. Now, this is my math, so sometimes my math is a little shaky. But according to my math, the Knicks have lost 107 of their last 141 games. 107 of 141. In the last six years, so they've they've lost 141 games over the last two years so far. This year, obviously, not over. Over the last six years... They've won only 143. So if you took all their wins from the last six years and counted them against the losses just from this year and last, and this year's not over yet, they would be two games over 500. In the last six years, they have lost 433 games. There's nothing on the roster you can point and say, boom, that's the piece that's going to lead us out of the desert. That's the piece that's going to lead us out of the wilderness. But for Leon Rose, when he comes in and he does take over, he does have some things going for him. A, and this might be just silver lining, right? It can't possibly be any worse. I mean, he takes over a franchise with a fan base that is by far the most loyal anywhere, certainly in New York. And even before he speaks, let's make clear, there is no mandate from anyone that he turn this around immediately. Nobody anywhere is saying he has to do this by this date. He's starting from ground zero, man. Fans are going to be on board. And I know this because he could come out and say basically anything short of we're rehiring Phil Jackson to be the GM and fans would be on board. That's how loyal some would say delusional. But I'm going with loyal. Nick fans are. And the way I see it, I'm willing to give him a chance. Let's actually see what he does. The old uh, line of uh, trust, but verify. And I'm not even sure if trust is the right word. 
the Knicks have not earned any trust. You earn trust. You don't. You're not just given it. You're not given. If you're given faith in something without any details or, 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 or proof, that's blind faith. That's not something you can be willing to do. So you have to earn that trust. But I'm willing to give them a chance. But it's almost like a movie or you ever hear like a Broadway show that's in like previews and some of the reviews and the previews are, oh, this is not going to be good. There was a report from Mark Berman this week, and I didn't touch on it in the morning show. Meant to, but didn't get to it. A report from Mark Berman that among the things that Leon Rose is looking to do is bring back Carmelo Anthony to the Garden. Not for, for a special night, not to get a chance for fans to say goodbye, or but to play. That this is something that is on his mind before he takes the job. Quote, incoming Knicks president Leon Rose is expected to be interested in bringing back Carmelo Anthony to the Knicks next season, according to multiple NBA executives. <sighs> you can't keep doing the same things over and over again. And expecting things to turn out differently. And this is only a report. Maybe it's not true. Maybe the Knicks are, are actually looking in a different direction. But even before he takes the job, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent. But if this is the focus, if this is what is being put in place as the plan. Oh, my goodness. It's just going to be more of the same. It's just going to be more of the same. And for Nick fans, you're tired of being the butt of the joke. If that turns out to be, if among the first things that Leon Rose does when he gets into the offseason is decide to bring back Carmelo Anthony, well, I would stay off Twitter for a while, my friends, because the jokes are going to be flowing and they're going to be at your expense. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So lots of stuff to do today. we got to get into the Yankees. They did something yesterday that was absolutely huge. And this has been a, a brutal week, right? You have the Severino injury. you got the Stanton injury. But yesterday, very good news, Yankee fans. If you look in silver, I think today is going to be a very silver lining kind of show. You have the Tom Brady situation. We'll look back at the fight. The first piece of good news that Deontay Wilder got. After a Saturday's beatdown, and that's woof, that was, that was what, what it was. I do, I have finally, after almost a month of looking, finally have a new net picks and chill pick this week. You might remember last week, Ty Butler had suggested, we were talking about movies that traumatized you as a kid, and he had suggested paranormal activity and suggested, I see that, I, I never saw it, see that, and that could be the net picks and chill pick. I will just say, miraculously, he is not working today. It's almost like he said, Set me up. He knew how bad paranormal activity was. He suggested it to me, and then he said, "You know what? By the time I have to pay the, the pay the man, he I'm going to be out of here. I'm not going to have to deal with the repercussions of suggesting just a terrible, terrible movie." But I do have something good this week. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Wow. Now, the good news is you're still going to make the playoffs because they don't decide playoff teams by who deserves to go. There's just eight, right? Like, they just have to have eight no matter what. So the fact that the Nets are going to be one of those eight, mainly because the Eastern Conference is terrible. Like, the rest of the Eastern, they have eight playoff teams, and they have seven teams that are just terrible. The Wizards are terrible. The Hornets, terrible. The Bulls, terrible. The Pistons, the Hawks. 
The Hawks are 18 and 43. They're terrible. The Knicks are terrible. And then the Cavaliers are terrible. Knicks and Cavs now have the are tied for the uh, worst record in the Eastern Conference, and only Golden State, who is now uh, twelve and forty-seven. Wow, that is impressive. Twelve and forty-seven. They've won twelve games out of sixty. Wow. So there you go. Um, the uh, Nets talk for the show. I know Kyrie is a big Nets fan, so that that will people say I don't talk Nets. That's not true. I just gave you a good two, three-minute stretch of Nets talk. Right? That's good. I accept it. All right. I'm happy with it. That's good. It's better than Anaconda talk. I can tell you that. Oh, I knew it was Let's coming. not go back to that now. Let's look at 22 minutes in. I knew it was yeah, coming. it was coming. Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. All right. So it's Gordon Damer show. We've talked about uh, the Knicks and Leon Rose. We've gotten that out of the way. We've got our Nets talk out of the way. Let's talk a little baseball, right? Quite the week for the Yankees. And uh, good news, yesterday marked the second day in a row, 48-hour span, the Knicks, or rather the Yankees, did not suffer a single injury that we know of. It's amazing. Two days in a row. Wow. Look out, world. Of course, this week was not without incident, right? First, you get the Severino injury. The next day, you get Giancarlo Stanton. And it was funny to me the disparity between the reactions of the two, right? Severino, that happens. And to me, that news was upsetting. It was devastating. But it was not surprising, right? You could not possibly have been surprised. And it felt like a lot of people were like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, guys, he didn't pitch at all last year. He shows up at camp and is complaining of of soreness in his forearm right out of the box. They can't find anything. They're sending him back to New York for, for days of testing. I'll tell you right now, I feel like if you have three days of testing in a row, they're going to find something wrong with you somewhere. So you get the news about him and the general reaction outside of some that were surprised. It was generally one of sadness. I get that there was also, oh, how can this keep happening to the Yankees, right? But the, the, when you talked about Severino as a player, the general consensus was like sadness, like um, sympathy or empathy. You feel bad for the guy. The next day, it was Stanton's turn, and the immediate reaction was one of anger. How dare they? What is he doing? How dare he? Stop working out. Right? That was another big one. He's just too muscle-bound. Show me the guys that are not muscle-bound anyway. I mean, is is there any guy in Major League Baseball who's getting to the offseason and is just sitting around months on end without working out or doing something? But Severino's injury, let's start with that one because it, it is devastating, and you really do kind of have to wonder now. He missed basically all of last year. He's going to miss all of this year. He's going to miss a portion of, you would think, right? It's usually 14 months, a, a, a portion of even the following year. When you go backwards, he was not good in the second half of 2018. So that's going to be like when it's all said and done, it's going to be like three years that he has not been the guy that he looked like when he was 23 years old. And you have to wonder, I mean, I haven't gone through all the, the different guys. Find a pitcher who didn't really pitch for three years and then came back and was a factor again. I, I think it would be kind of hard to find anybody. 
when you have that many injuries back to back to back. And remember, like, People will crush the Yankees because of the Tommy John. How did you not know? He had it at the, the end of last year. They, obviously, they didn't see it. But then last year when it started, he was having problems with the shoulder and the lat. So it's not just like he's had this one issue that he's got to overcome. Maybe he's just going to be a guy that's just never going to stay healthy. The other guy is Stanton. And uh, I do think that maybe the reaction was a bit overblown, but I get it. I'm a Yankee fan. I completely understand the frustration. The first year, the regular season, he was okay. I mean, it kind of gets lost now. But there was that that month and a half where he was kind of carrying the team. But that gets forgotten because it's not about the regular season, right? It's not about what happens before you get here. Nobody cares what you did before you got here. They care what you do in the postseason. And if you had a bad regular season, that would be forgotten, too, if you had a good regular season. But his his first year here, the playoffs were a disaster. And then last year was even worse. And he doesn't have the fallback of being a homegrown guy, right? He came here with the big contract. Some of us, myself, although I do feel like it's a, it's a growing crowd now that I keep hearing, I never wanted this guy anyway. I, I feel like I was much more on an island when I said that before the trade even happened. All of a sudden, I'm finding a lot of people on this island I didn't know were here. I feel like somebody's bringing these people in. The good news, right? I said this is going to be like a silver lining kind of show. The silver lining in terms of the Stanton injury, and I'm sure it is frustrating. It ticks you off because the season hasn't even started. The good news is if you lined up the injuries the Yankees have had so far, and at least a 727 on a Saturday morning, they have not so far as we know suffered any other ones. But we'll keep following it over the next hour and a half. If you lined up the three other ones, right, Paxton, Judge, Severino, Stanton to me is by far fourth. Like if you gave me a magic wand and I could bring back any of those guys, or if I could bring back three of those guys healthy, Stanton would be the fourth guy. I'd rather have, obviously, Severino healthy. I'd rather have Judge know for sure, and we don't know what's going on with the the shoulder there. Maybe he'll be fine for opening day, although as time passes and recent trends continue, right, of missing games, you'd have to think it's getting more and more unlikely that he's ready to go. And even Paxton, I would rather have the the have Paxton healthy and, and ready to go. He's not going to be, but at the start of the season and see where it goes from there. Than Stanton because the Yankees won before Stanton got here. They won without him pretty much throughout the entire year last year. And assuming the injuries stop, they'll win this year without him. Stanton is far more replaceable than the other guys. You have Taukman, you have Frazier. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you have Miguel Andujar, who, if he can play the position in left field, I mean, it's not that huge of a drop-off. It's a drop-off, but I'd be fine with it. I mean, in the one year that he played, now he's coming off an injury. You have to hope that he's able to stay healthy. But in the year that he was that he was here and playing, Miguel Andujar, even though the Yankees really didn't want or, or didn't plan on having him to be up with the Major League team that quickly, he's a guy that had a 47 doubles and should have won the Rookie of the Year. Taukman last year, who came out of nowhere, and he is 29, so I guess that might make you a little leery of whether or not he can do it again. He had an OPS of 865 last year. And Frazier... 
despite his issues in the outfield, which you hope he can kind of correct and, and, the, and the focus sometimes on what his attitude is, there doesn't seem to be any concerns whatsoever of whether or not Clint Frazier can hit at the major league level. I feel like he, even in the short time that he's had, how he projects as a player from where he was drafted, and just the eye test as well. He just looks like a guy who can hit. The replacements for Severino and or Paxson, if he's out longer or comes back and is lost again, I mean, there's a lot of names there, and you hope that somebody will, will step up like guys did last year. But between Mike King or Loisaga or even the guys that they really project to be parts of the rotation down the road, Garcia or Clark Schmidt, I'm sure there are other options there. The Yankees aren't going to just uh, you know throw away a season because they can't find a starting pitcher. But in terms of finding replacements right now, the Yankees pretty much can put someone in left field to replace Giancarlo Stanton and not really miss a beat. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved. We'll get uh, the Knicks are there, the Yankees are there. We got the dumb news from the week that was. Oh, we got a lot of dumb news. Lots of dumb news. We got uh, net picks and chill pick for this week. So lots of stuff to do as we take you up until 9 o'clock. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, I thought Wilder was going to win. I thought he was the better... I thought he was the better fighter overall. Not necessarily that he was a better fighter, but, you know, just the, the better total package. I had no real expectation that Tyson Fury was going to be able to knock him out. And that's what he did, obviously. And it was an entertaining fight. And it was about as, and that just shows you how we are as people. Because it was entertaining and it was completely lopsided, right? It just shows you we like watching someone just get destroyed, and it's entertaining. Like, don't blame me. It's just who we are as people. That's what the sport is. And make no mistake, Deontay Wilder got destroyed. First, he got destroyed in the ring, and then the fight was over. And throughout the week, he's continually done things to keep getting destroyed. First off, the comments about being upset that somebody threw the towel, which, all right, I get it. He's a warrior, right? That's what he said. And he wants to get his shot. To, it was the right decision. Nobody, you can make all the arguments you want about it. it's boxing. And he's the champ and his record. If you watch the fight, the, the, talking about the eye test, I mean, it's clear. He had no chance. I mean, he couldn't put one foot in front of the other. His balance was gone. His equilibrium was gone. He was shot. Then, after that finally subsides after a day or so, he comes out with the excuse of, well, you know, the costume. It weighed 40 pounds. My legs were gone. I don't know if that's true or not. It sounds like an excuse. But even if it is true, keep that one to yourself, dude. Nobody's going to give you... Credit when you dressed up in a costume. Nobody forced you to wear a costume. You picked it out. And you were going to the ring wearing a costume. You're going to get hammered for that one, and rightfully so. Then he immediately takes the rematch. Like all these like boxing people are like, you know what? It might be best for him to kind of regroup, kind of regain his confidence. No, 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 I'm taking the rematch. Take the re- like right away. He like 30 days to do it. No, I don't need 30 I don't need 30 seconds. Do it right now. 
But yesterday, I thought, well, A, two good things happened to him. A, the facial recognition on his iPhone finally recognized him again after the beating that he took last Saturday, right? Like... He was he was punching in his code all week, right? Like he had to punch in the code because cannot recognize you. And then it came out that he has decided to keep Mark Breland. Mark Breland's the guy who threw the towel. And, you know, there's a line about what's popular is not always right and what's right is not always popular. Within Wilder's camp, it certainly seems like that was a tough call to throw in the towel. Like other people came out and publicly the, the main trainer, the, the head trainer, came out and said that he didn't want it done. And Wilder came out and said he didn't like it. It was clearly the right decision. I mean, it was a far greater chance that Wilder, I think, suffered permanent damage damage than some miraculous KO when, again, he could not put one foot in front of the other. Like, if you're going to knock somebody out, you actually have to be standing up and be able to get the force behind your punch. And he was just, he was just low-hanging fruit in that. I mean, he was just getting teed off on. So... I thought that at least that was some good news. And and look, I'm not saying that Deontay Wilder can't regroup here and whenever they do have the rematch, if it's this year or, or early next, can't come back and win. But it was not a great week for him, but at least the decision. I think it would have been a worse week if it came out that he was getting rid of Mark Breland after Breland was the one in the corner that actually it seemed like had his head in the right place because Deontay Wilder all week really did not. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get some calls in there this morning. Blabbing all day, all day here. Let's go to Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, my man? Good morning. I'm, I'm thinking about throwing the towel in. Man, I thought it way too long to throw the towel in. I asked you last Saturday morning how much you were looking forward to going into your man cave. And right, you, loved you, it. You, yeah, you, that's exactly the enthusiasm. I got a comment on Mr. Leon Rose. If his other clients, he'll, he'll wind up bringing back Carmelo Anthony, Ramon Sessions, and Alexi Shred. Bring I back mean, Jared Jack. Uh, Jack. Bring him back. I'm thinking of him, too. I'm, I'm Get the band you. back together. Listen, listen. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's so the lack of defensive integrity and identification and what they allow on three-point shot percentage-wise. It's, it's hard to imagine they can continually make the same mistakes. You know I watch every dribble. It's just, how do you keep making the same mistakes? I blame that on the entire scouting and coaching staff. They get the wrong players, and these guys are numbers hangers. And I told you before the season started about Julius Randle. There was not really any pushback on that, but at least he was a functioning NBA player, right? Like, I I know that his game is not always the greatest, and it's not really, he's not helping anybody else become better, but at least he was a, he's a guy who can actually do something in the NBA, and unfortunately for the Knicks, they don't have, last year they didn't really have that many I mean, their roster, even now, is so bad. It's terrible. But one last thing. Thanks for the time. Have a good weekend. Every time Julius Randle gets the ball, I'm thinking while I'm watching this, how many other people are doing what I'm doing? When he takes the ball from the guard at the top of the key, I just want to turn away from the TV. Because talk about his book. It's going to be how to dribble into a trap. I mean, how does this guy? He's terrific under the basket. But that's it. That's all he can do. And they gave him a three-year, $68 million or seven. You should yeah. be so lucky. Have yeah. a good week. Yeah, absolutely. It's like he won the lottery. Speaking, you know, the Knicks win the, the Knicks can't win the 
lottery, but Julius Randle won the lottery. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's a it's a brutal situation with the Knicks. It's a, a season that feels like it's so much uh, wasted. Last year. Yeah, it feels like it's like a, a waste of time. It, fe- oh. it really feels like like last year. I mean, it was delusional as it turned out, but at least it, it you had you could have some hope that things were going to turn around, right? Well, they they might win the, the lottery, place. or they might land a free agent, and it didn't turn out to be the case. But we're right back in the same place. Yeah, absolutely. It's Groundhog Day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Have a great afternoon. Absolutely. Please. Same to you, Spike. Um, look, in terms of the Knicks, it, it is what it is, right? Like, this year is lost, and it's been lost for a while. You've known it's been lost for a while. So... The, the frustrating part is it's not like anything productive is even happening. Like, even the guys they have on the roster, there's not – the. I mean, the roster, it's like an expansion roster. There's not – I like R.J. Barrett and, and, you know, let's get him through his rookie season, see where he's at. I'm not telling you that I'm off the bandwagon or anything like that, although I will say this, and I've said this for a while, the rookie season – has been underwhelming, right? Like, it's not, you can't say with any level of certainty, hey, no question, this guy is going to be part of the, the solution here. I mean, let's hope so. We'll see. But there, there's, no, I mean, the roster is so bad, and it's not like there's been anything that has been done to develop. I mean, everybody on the roster, you feel the same way you felt about them when the season began, and you're 60 something games into the year. Like, you had questions about, uh, R.J. Barrett's the least of the problems. Mitchell Robinson. Perfect example. Coming into the year, well, you know, he can rebound, he can sh- he can block shots, he can do those kind of things. But he, there's too often he commits silly fouls. He doesn't really have much of an offensive game outside of putbacks and dunks. And what's the story? I mean, it's exactly the same thing now. Kevin Knox. I mean, his season has been a disaster. Dennis Smith Jr., season disaster. Neil Aquina, okay, once in a while he looks aggressive offensively. I mean, those are few and far between. Nothing has happened this year that has been good. So, uh, no, it's been, it feels like it's been a wasted season from that point, and it still has something like 20-something games to go. So, at this point, I would say just play the kids. At least find out if you can. I don't even know if they have the ability to find out for sure. But at least Leon Rose will have his uh, – he'll take over, it seems like, tomorrow. And maybe, hopefully, things will get pointed in the right direction. Although, with that report about Carmelo Anthony, like that that's the, the focus. Oof. I don't have I don't have high hopes. Let's put it that way. Let's go out to Ryan in Manhattan. Ryan, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Um, the Rangers, you know, had a lot of great years. Tortorella. And then um, – uh, God, I've already forgotten the coach's name, the French guy. Uh, Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they really brought a lot of joy as a, as a Ranger fan. And then it was, you know, then it was essentially just trading all your players to Tampa for a lot of years. <laughs> it does, seem, it does seem that way, right? Yeah. Yeah, guys that we loved. And uh, But as a Ranger fan, I have to tell you, a buddy of mine who had season tickets said this to me the other day that this season, this run, has been as much fun as he's had, and I sort of concur in a long time. And the reason is that, to your point earlier about the Knicks having sort of no plan, no vision, the Rangers have a lot of young players that are really likable. There's a weird thing about hockey players. I think hockey players by default, I don't mean Rangers, I just mean hockey players, are very likable people. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's very few people, there's, there's very few athletes in the hockey world that you're like, oh God, they're despicable. Anyway, the Rangers have really done it the right way, and I'm glad they gave 
Quinn some leash. I know there was some, you know, last year there was some talk about Quinn, and I'm just so glad that they kept the course. The Kreider thing was interesting. I think it's because the the rest wasn't that great, and uh, I'm I'm okay with them resigning him. I, you know, we've know we've had him since he was a rook. He's a hardworking guy, and by all reports, the younger guy. It's ironic; he's an older guy now. Uh, the younger guys really dig him, and he's a good leader. So I have a lot of high hopes for the Rangers, whether they make the playoffs this year or not. Well, I think a lot of it is is like when you see the plan come together, and it and it's unexpected. Like if this were two or three years down the road, and the Rangers were still rebuilding, and you'd finally starting to get to see some some fruits of the labor. It would be one thing, but the fact that it came together so quickly and it's so unexpected, it's kind of like the Yankees in 2017 in some regards. Now, I don't think that they're going to get to within a, a game of the cup final, but if, or maybe even not even get to the playoffs. But to see the plan start to get to come together and know that the, the regime that's running things, they're building up some credit in your eyes, right? Like there's moves that are made that I'm sure that you agree with, some moves that maybe you question and don't like. But when you get to see some results before they're expected, that allows you to say, all right, you know what? Maybe I can trust in the people running the organization. And that's big to be able to have some trust because there's a lot of teams in this town right now the other team that occupies the building, it's hard to have any trust with the way the record is gone. Giants are another example. Jets really are another example. There's teams that when you see things, when you don't have success, it's hard to have any level of trust that, you know what, these guys know what they're doing. Because there's been no proof of that. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We've talked Rangers, we've talked Yankees, we've talked a little Knicks. But there's one thing that I love probably more than anything. And it's stories about dumb people. I just I view myself as not being very intelligent, but it makes me feel better when there's a story that comes along that makes me feel better about me. At least I'm not that dumb. So there's actually two stories. Nikki is in for Ty today. And Kyrie is here because he he works here, and this is this is his time. <laughs> this is his time to work. He's not in for anybody; he's in for himself. So there's two, and I want to I want to quiz you guys as well. I think I have an answer, but I want to see who you think is dumber. Who's dumber is the question. All right. So maybe you've seen these stories, maybe not. First story: Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks, the country star, was playing a concert in Michigan during the week. So I guess as a way to, to get the crowd on his side, I don't know why he would do this, but okay, he wore a Barry Sanders jersey, right? He's playing in, in, in Michigan. He wears a Barry Sanders 20 jersey. So obviously on the back it says Sanders and 20. Now both Barry, I didn't know this before the story, both Barry Sanders and Garth Brooks went to Oklahoma State. So that's kind of the connection there, all right? So people, I guess he tweeted out a photo of him getting ready for the concert, and it shows his back saying Sanders 20. And people took that to mean that he was supporting Bernie Sanders, not Barry Sanders, Bernie Sanders. They took that. They got all worked up in a tizzy without knowing. It's amazing the level of ignorance and arrogance that people can display at the same time. All right, so that's dumb, right? Like, you didn't do any research at all to say, why is he wearing a shirt that says Sanders 20? You just automatically jump to it must be Bernie Sanders. Okay, so that's dumb, right? You'd have to say that qualifies as dumb. Second story. Nearly two in five Americans are refusing to drink Corona beer 
because of the coronavirus. Now, in case you're wondering, Corona beer has literally nothing to do with the coronavirus. You don't catch the coronavirus from drinking Corona beer, although there were a couple of times where I did come down with the Irish flu from drinking the Corona beer. Two in five Americans. Now, this is not like 5% of Americans. This is basically 40% of people. I think the actual number is 38%. They're saying two in five. 40% of people, which by my math, and maybe this is not the right way to look at it, 40% is way too close to 50%. That's basically one out of every, that's basically saying either Nikki or Kyrie is not drinking Corona beer based on the fact that it has some loose connection to the coronavirus. So which do you think is dumber? Do you think the first story of people getting upset at Garth Brooks for wearing a Barry Sanders jersey is is dumber? Or do you think that it's uh, the second story that two in five Americans are refusing to drink Corona beer because of the coronavirus? Which one do you think is dumber? Give me, do you have any uh, music to play along as you think this one through? I, I do. I yeah, do. Give me some music. There you go. A little... A or B? Which one do you... How do you go here? I think... It's, it's so tough. hard. It's a, it's a real it's when a you're clash wearing of a jersey. Yeah, it's obvious that's an athlete, and you are not. Right, you like, would think and, I'm not walking and, around and wearing nothing an Obama against Bernie Sanders. Right, nothing against Bernie Sanders doesn't scream athlete. I know that he like he likes to play basketball, and it, he's 78 years old. And no, nobody has ever thought that Bernie Sanders played in the NFL, and it's clearly a it's a it's an NFL jersey, right? So that would be a little strange. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta go with Corona though. That's so dumb. Kyrie? It's got to be Corona. Yeah. You have to be literally the dumbest person. Right. I don't know how many people they polled on the coronavirus and the Corona beer one. I think I probably would go that way, too. Right? I think I'd probably, because that probably is more people. Like, I don't know how many people got upset at Garth Brooks, but it's it's probably a couple of hundred. I would think if they were doing a poll like that, they would poll more people than that. Although it is a clash of the titans. There's got to be some sinister, you know, some guy that thought, thought, you know what? What if I just tell people that the corona beer causes the coronavirus and if see how many people are If you said that to me, the problem with that plan is it's too dumb, right? Like, there would, there would be nobody who would think that, like the people at Budweiser, they want to get people to stop drinking corona, so they float this rumor out there. You would get laughed out of the board meeting because, Larry, that's too silly. There's no way, Larry, that that's going to work. But look, it's already 40%. It's already at 40%. Well, I'm not going to drink that beer. Give Larry a raise. Right. And look, if it were connected, you shouldn't even be in the store where they're selling the Corona beer, right? You don't know. People might have touched the beer, touched the hand. Just wash your hands. That's that. That's the lesson, right? Just wash your hands and get off the internet. That is my lesson for today. So I think, yeah, I think I'm going to agree. I think we all agree. The Corona beer non-drinkers are dumber than the Barry Sanders Jersey outrage crowd. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Coming up, we'll get back into the sports. We'll get into the Yankees. The Giants had a very active week as well, so we'll get into that. And where is Tom Brady going to wind up? Oh my goodness! Oh, so many questions. We'll do it next here on ninety eight point seven FM. ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. 
I have a long memory. I will remember this next week when Ty. Oh no, no, no! Next week I'm not in, so it's going to be. I'm going to have to remember three weeks in a row. Well, that's that is pushing. Fan. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. But we'll have our net picks and chill pick for this week. And no, it is not. <laughs> it is not. Feel free to relax. It's not a paranormal activity. But a couple other things that I want to touch on. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is uh, the uh, phone number. A couple of things with the uh, the Giants this week, and we, we were doing dumb stories before. I went through it one of the mornings with uh, the story about the Giants and the possible pursuit of Tom Brady. I'm not going to do it again because, again, it is so dumb. I mean, that makes no sense on any level for either the Giants or for Brady. And I will say this about Brady. I don't know. I still think that this is all posturing. Like, even the stories that came up this week, like, if you look at it, nobody said Brady's camp feels like it's a done deal. He is not He is not re-signing with New England. It was really Brady feels confident he is going into free agency and that that could lead to signing with another team. Yeah, of course it could. <laughs> of course it could. Right. You go into free agency, you could, or you could end up with the same team you've been playing your entire career with. So let's see what ends up happening. I understand that there's a lot of teams that people have floated out there, although none of them make as much sense as going back to New England. It would be different if... Jimmy Garoppolo or some heir apparent was still there. Like the situation in Kansas City where they had Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith clearly was going to be getting moved on before too long because they had an heir apparent. New England doesn't have that heir apparent. Now, maybe they're able to find that through free agency. Maybe there's a part of Bill Belichick that kind of relishes the idea of being able to go and get somebody that we don't think is is uh, at a certain level and that he's able to win with them, like the way he won with Matt Castle for a year. Maybe. I don't know. It's still feels like to me this is all posturing, this is all negotiating, and in three weeks or whenever it is that Brady becomes a free agent, if he does, we'll see if he ends up going to the Titans or the Chargers or the Raiders. I will say this, and I don't know what percentage of this is, maybe it's possible that the Patriots don't want him back at any cost. Right, like they're ready to move on. Something behind the scenes, they just feel like there's no way that they can win, which seems kind of ridiculous, but okay, maybe that's the case. But if it turns out that Brady just goes to the highest bidder, right? Like there's some team out there that's willing. And it's pretty clear, I think, at this point from all the reports that part of the issue is that the, the Patriots aren't going to be the highest bidder. They're never the highest bidder. They haven't been the highest bidder for Brady even when he's had other contracts. He always, whether he wants to or not, has always been willing to, to give them kind of a hometown discount to stay there, continue to win, all those things. So if it turns out that Brady go someplace else and is just looking to cash in. Not that it's going to impact his legacy to a huge degree, but it will kind of make you think to yourself, well, that's not really what he's been about. Like, Brady's legacy is not just about winning, but being this stone-cold killer who will do anything to beat you, right? This will to win, almost at like a, a Jordan level or a Kobe level, where he is just looking to beat you at super competitive. You heard all the stories about, you know, when he's chugging a beer, all these things about his personality. He wants to win at everything. He wants to be a winner. And if it does turn out 
that he doesn't go back to New England because New England is not willing to pay him $30 million. They're only willing to pay him $20 million a year. And he goes to the Raiders for some huge payday. Again, not that it's going to make me think completely differently about Tom Brady, but it will make me think that at least a little bit, he's kind of full of it. Like all this stuff about being this killer and and being this guy who wants to beat you at every single thing, if it's air hockey, if it's foosball, if it's chugging a beer, if it's a race from here to there, it's all kind of a bit of nonsense, that it's not really true. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go to uh, John is in Secaucus. John, what's going on, my man? Hi, good morning, Gordon. Hey, man. I usually, I usually talk to you during the week about 5, 10 in the morning. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate anybody calling me at 5, 10 in the morning, John. <laughs> Uh, you get me going, man. I have a long trip. But anyway, uh, I got a quick point about the paranormal thing. But I, I called about the baseball. <laughs> okay. Because um, basically, I feel like if this didn't happen to Saragino, we could have all lived with um, you know the rest of the guys coming back later on, and we would be good for the postseason. I think because... Pretty much, Saravino's done with the Yankees at this point. You know that. Yeah, we're not going to take him back afterwards. Was maybe someone else will take a chance on him. Who knows? But I think what my question to you is: one, should we go after another big name pitcher because of what happened with Saravino? Severino. Yeah. You know, uh, well, no. I mean, the Yankees are still going to have Severino when he does come back. I think he's still signed for two more years. I think he was, was four for forty. So he's. I mean, I know he's going to miss all of this year. He's going to miss all of next year. But then the following year, he'll be getting ready for you know, hopefully another big year, and he'll be getting ready for another contract. So, and he'll still only be, I mean, it feels like he's been around forever. I think he'll still only be like 27, maybe he'll be 28. So he'll still be a young guy at a younger 27 or 28 because he hasn't really pitched all that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's just being that we signed Cole, I was thinking that was such a nice lineup right there and, you know, I think we still can go for it. But Oh, no, anyway, absolutely. My paranormal thing is, just really quick, my father died five years ago and I never found out until five years later on December 7th. And me and my wife were in my office and we were watching those paranormal shows and all of a sudden our door closed out of nowhere and, and I thought it was her and she said, you see that? And I said, yeah, you closed the door. She goes, that wasn't me. We get into a big fight. I end up calling my half-brothers that I haven't spoke to in 15 years. I said, hey, did something happen to our father? He's like, oh my God, he died to this day five years ago. Wow. And it was it was the weirdest thing. I used to think it was BS when I watched it. Right. But until things happen to you, 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 you won't believe it, but I do believe now. So. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm not saying don't believe in, in, you know, an afterlife or anything like that. Let's hope so, right? Like, <laughs> I certainly hope there's something afterwards. Uh, I will just say the, uh, the paranormal, the fact that there are five of those movies. I watched one, and it was uh, pulling teeth for like 30, 30 minutes into the movie. I said to myself... There's no way the acting in the movie and the script itself, I don't know. It just it's it's uh, it's not good. It's not a good movie. I was talking to Kyrie before the the show and he said to me, "Well, I know I've seen it, but I don't really remember anything from it." That's generally not a, they, they usually don't put that on the the movie poster, right? I seen this movie, but I don't remember anything about it. 
That's not generally one that you, you, you write home about. And that's what a lot of movies, sometimes they're not even great movies, but they're just that one scene or two scenes. And the best movies are the movies that have five, six, or seven of them. Like, you want to have, like, five movie moments. They always talk about, like, when you're trying to pitch a movie or you're trying to promote a movie, you want to have those movie moments, right? Five of them that jump off the screen at you. Uh, paranormal activity. I, I guess I'm sure that they had commercials at the time, but I just don't uh, I, I don't know what those five movie moments were. I think it was mostly just five moments of the same two actors going, ah! That was that was the big... <laughs> Aaron is in New Jersey. Aaron, what's going on, my man? What's going on, Gordon? It's your favorite resident tri-state area, Titan fan, Aaron. How are you today? <laughs> are Happy Leaf Day. Good, man. What's going on? <laughs> um, so I just figured I'd chime in on this whole Tom Brady thing and just kind of put myself in his shoes. Um, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think after all is said and done, he's going to end up back in New England. For just some reasons, he might entertain Tennessee as an option for him. Obviously, you saw in the playoffs and through this regular season, we have an incredible offensive line. I think that's something that's definitely very appealing for a 43-year-old quarterback to know that he has protection and won't get sacked every play. You know, we also have a pretty solid running game. We had the league's leading rusher in Derrick Henry this year. I think that's another attractive quality to a guy who doesn't have the arm strength that he used to have. Um, Nashville's also a beautiful area. The downtown area is hopping right now and on the rise here in right. the country. Yeah. I, think those are attractive I don't know, I don't know that, I don't know that he's family. doing I don't think he's moving anywhere because it's a nice area. Like, wherever Tom Brady goes, they're going to have a nice area in that state, I would think. No, I think that's definitely a fair point, but I'm just trying to give a couple reasons as to why I think so. And the last reason I would say is, you know, maybe in the back of his mind, you know, he's always had that chip on his shoulder. He's a competitor, so maybe he wants to prove to Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and everybody else in the NFL that he can do it without them. And I think Belichick honestly feels the same way, that he wants to try and win something without Brady just to enhance his legacy a little bit more. Well, look, I don't think that either guy really needs to enhance their legacy, uh, so I don't know necessarily, that, but I can understand that. I think think for Brady, if that were that important to him, I would do that before the age of 43. Like, if it was that important for you to show, hey, you know what, I don't need the Patriots, I don't need the great Belichick, I think that his opportunity to do that, he should have forced his way out of New England before now. Like, to do it now at the age of 43, trying to find a different, because none of those those environments, like even Tennessee, which you would say, all right, that's probably the the, the most ready-made situation. They were nine and seven. It was nice that they got on a little bit of a playoff roll because of Derrick Henry having these amazing games, but it wasn't like exactly like they were an 11 and five team that was just getting through without a quarterback. I mean, it's not like they, if he goes there, all of a sudden they're going to be some front runner in the AFC. His best situation is still the situation. It's, it's the, the the best thing for both sides is 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 each is each other, and I think that that eventually this feels like all negotiating. It feels like this is what's been put out there by Brady's camp and and Brady himself as a way to kind of force the Patriots' hand. And it's just it's very hard for me to believe if all the reports are true, right? That that Robert Kraft looks at Tom Brady like a son. That now at the age of forty three. That they're gonna and and clear that Brady is 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 playing next year someplace. That they're not going to be able to figure out a way to bring him back. But I'm sure that for Brady there is a little part of that. The thing for Belichick, in terms of wanting to show that he can do it without, he'll he's going to get that opportunity as long as he doesn't stop coaching here. Like even if Brady is able to play the next two years, he's going to get that opportunity at some point. Because I don't think that Belichick is retiring in the next two years. 
Omar's in Brooklyn. Omar, my friend. How are you? I'm good, my man. How are you? You ready for the big Carmelo Anthony return tour? And oh, buy my tickets? God. Do you know that about Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's bring them all back. Listen, let me ask your honest opinion. Ah. What is wrong in bringing him back on a very less money? And if you uh, t- tell me he will not be better than the 10 next player in the squad right now, and if he's come from the bench, and whatever you're going to do in the free agency, that's a different story. What, what am I, whatever Jay Ross is going to do, if I have a plan, I'll tell you right now. I will go for a holiday uh, from. Uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. He's a free agent. Drew I Holiday. Okay, him. I thought you were saying you were going to take a vacation there from watching no, the Knicks. No, you're no, going no, on holiday. Okay, sorry. I'm Drew, confused. I will. I will go for a maximum with Drew Holiday. Uh-huh. Pay him maximum whatever the other teams are paying. I will go for maximum for Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. and then I will trade my three first round picks. These two first round picks and a first round pick after one and a half years. And tell Phoenix Suns you are not going with Booker and give, give me Booker. Whatever you, we have six, six picks in la- next five years. Right. First four round picks. Give me maximum whatever and go for Booker and we will have Mitch Robinson. Then we have a shooting guard. We have a, a point guard and the other role players stays the way it is. We are, you, you talk about uh, making a splash, right? So uh, I know, I'm point. not, but I'm sure the Knicks will. Yes. Yeah, no, no, but but building through the draft and this and that. Right. Uh, uh, let, me, let me go to the history. Mm-hmm. Two years back, when they hired Fisdale, I was on this radio show telling you that I need a Milwaukee head coach, but, but anyway, he was coming, he, he quit on the team to come to New York, and they did not sign him. And that team was nobody expected them from 33 wins. They took him to 57, 58. Win, and now they are a league team in the uh, league. Nobody expected them to make a, that type much of a jump. Okay. He was a, a coach of the year last year, but the Knicks were so hesitant to hire him. They make a well, he went right to away. a better situation. Giannis was yeah. already there. I but mean, that was clearly a better York. situation. You think? You think when he would have come here, he would have tanked last year for Zion? Well, tanking last year was the right approach. They have nothing on the roster. Listen, Milwaukee, everybody was saying they had nothing. Yes. No, they didn't, no, they didn't say that they had nothing. They knew they had Giannis. They were, they were thinking about getting rid of Middleton and uh, what, a, what a contract they gave it. This coach has made everybody. Brooke Lopez is the best block shotter uh, of the league at this right. time. Right. He doesn't even block shots. All right. Let's get back to Carmelo Anthony. You really want yes. you think Carmelo that's the right approach to be focusing on that at this stage. Oh, I, I am saying that Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. should come as a, the, that we have that like more we will not get a, uh, we, we will not get 20 20 uh, uh, like 35 40 minutes. Uh-huh. I will play him coming from the bench 20 and he has accepted that role as a fourth region in Portland Trailblazer he has accepted that role. He's not the same macho man uh, mentality. He has grown because last year when uh, uh, Houston Rockets throw him out of the league yeah. basically and nobody signed him he has learned his lesson and waiting that third I wanted to ask you All a question right. Omar I, 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 there's only so much time there's only so much I mean I can't I can't go down this road I, I, I was interested at a point and much like paranormal activity it, it, I lost my interest very quickly Carmelo, I mean, to think that that's the focus at any level. And I don't know that it's true. It's only a report. Maybe the person that Mark Berman talked to 
and the people that he talked to, I'm sure maybe that's what they said, but who knows? Maybe maybe there's a, a, a glimmer of truth to it, but it's not really 100% true that they're not really focused on Carmelo Anthony at all. But that does kind of feel like a Nixian kind of move, right? You're bringing in this GM who used to have a client in Carmelo Anthony. That that's To think that that's the focus at this stage. Oh, my goodness. You think the Knicks are a laughing stock now. You get into the offseason, coming off a year where you've won 22, 23 games, and you're saying, you know what, guys? Don't worry. We're bringing back Mello. You think you're the butt of the joke now. Just wait. It's only just begun. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Two things coming up. A, our net picks and chill pick for this week. Also, we have spent a lot of time on the Astros, the scandal, and the punishment. Really, the lack of punishment that they received. Well, something happened this week. I brought it up yesterday in the the morning show that made me change my mind, that actually the Astros' punishment does fit the crime. And I think it's so strong, you are going to have your opinion changed by this one statement alone. So I'll tell you what that statement is coming up. It's Gordon Damer Show. We take you up until 9 o'clock, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Somebody was called and um, he did not hold on long enough. He wanted to know if I thought that the coronavirus was going to affect Major League Baseball attendance. Talk about questions way above my pay grade. I mean, come on. You expect me to answer that? I don't know. I mean, who knows what the world is going to look like in, uh, what, 26 days? Do you think that the coronavirus is still going to be an issue? I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded. Maybe I'm just at a certain age now. I just feel like we get one of these things every so often, right? Like, I remember hearing about SARS. SARS is coming for you. Look out for SARS. Or bird flu. Or swine flu. Remember swine flu? I think I had the swine flu because I was uh, I was laying around in my own filth for a weekend. And I just couldn't move. And I think I, I thought it was the swine flu, right? Eating like a pig, too. I don't know. What was the other one? N1H1, right? Was it N1H1 or H1N1? I don't remember. It was MRSA. Who can keep it? MRSA. No, MRSA is an actual thing that is an actual problem, but, but it's not that, – that's a that, – that one pops up because it's, it's resistant to antibiotics. But uh, that's more like uh, in, in sporting events and stuff like that, clean stuff down. But there's a Ebola. Oh, remember Ebola, Ebola. We were making sure people didn't come in the country because of Ebola. It feels – and I'm not saying it's not serious. It clearly seems serious. It's on the news every day. It must be serious, right? It just feels like these things that have popped up before. And I would think in 26 days, I will bet you – there's a better chance that in 26 days we will mention Corona and you'll be thinking to yourself, what was that? Oh, oh, right, right, right. The world moves on so fast these days. Let's hope so, right? Let's hope that it's not still a big issue in a month from now. But I, I don't know I, if you're looking for clarity on how it will impact Major League Baseball attendance. I am not the man for you. I told you I have, a, I have an interest in just dumb stories. I I like dumb stories, and we focused on a couple of them earlier. All right, so our net picks and chill pick for this week. And it's been a while since we've been able to do this segment on Saturday mornings because I have run the gamut 
trying to find things that are not the most popular, right? Like I could come and just tell you, okay, watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. Obviously, you're already on that, right? It's been 10 seasons. If you're not on Curb Your Enthusiasm by 10 years in, me telling you is not going to be the case. So we've kind of come up with some. Uh, but it has been very, very difficult to find. I've watched a lot of really bad TV, and maybe it's because of the people I'm surrounded by suggesting things that I know are not good, but I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, and that's a mistake. My, my, I guess my lesson to you is don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. You know better than them. So I finally found one this week, and I've gone through a bunch of stuff that's been terrible. But on Netflix is the documentary... Super Size Me Too. Now, you remember Super Size Me, Morgan Spurlock. He eats nothing but McDonald's, gains a bunch of weight, doesn't exercise, and the, the impact that it had. And I'm going to tell you, I was not a, a huge fan of that documentary because I do eat fast food, and uh, I don't feel like, I feel like it was taken to a bit of extreme. But I don't, if I'm watching a documentary, I don't have to necessarily agree with the concept being presented to find interest and value in that documentary. So this time, what he does is he goes in on um, the chicken industry and and and, then the, and the popularity of chicken sandwiches, Popeyes, uh, Chick Fil A, and all these different things, and really how the world has changed since the original movie came out. And how it hasn't changed in the way that you thought. Like the original movie came out with the idea of presenting to people, look, this stuff is not healthy for you. You shouldn't eat it. The only thing with the, what this documentary does a really good job of is it shows you is that the only thing that's changed is how the fast food places market food to you, not necessarily the food. And what has completely not changed is people's interest in eating healthier food. That has not changed in any way. And he even admits it because he opens up his own restaurant by the end of the movie. That's the plan of the movie is to open up his own chicken restaurant in Ohio. And he does. And I won't give anything away because uh, if you want to go see it. But it's about an hour and a half. It is interesting. It's probably if we came to the end of the year, when we did overall rankings for Netflix and chill. It prob this would not probably be at the top of the list. But if you're looking for something on a Saturday night, hour and a half, it is fun. It is interesting. It has a couple of laughs in it. So uh, there you go. Netflix and chill pick for this week is Super Size Me Too, Morgan Spurlock. And uh, maybe we can start to get on a better roll here. It's been very hard to find stuff. You know, you told me about McMillions. The other day, McMillions. I, I like that a lot. I like it's a fascinating story, but the way that they tell it is a very boring way. That's fair. Yeah, you know it, what I mean. It, there's too yeah, much. There's too true. many. It's interview, 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 and um, it feels like padding. You know, a lot of these. It's very popular to have these documentary series now, not just the documentary where you have episode after episode. Sometimes that works. Sometimes there are, you know, it makes sense to have because there's so much story to tell and you can tell it in an interesting way. That story of McMillions, how the monopoly game for McDonald's in the late 80s, early 90s was completely rigged and all the big time winners were in on a scam is a fascinating story. And some of the characters involved is a fascinating story. The problem is the way they tell the story, it gets a little it gets a little flat. And I don't know how many episodes there are. I watched the first three because I thought, oh, for sure, this is going to be a cool Netflix and chill one. 
it didn't work out. Uh, and maybe it picks up near the end. I don't know how many episodes there are. Maybe there's six episodes. It doesn't feel like a story worthy of six episodes. Let's put it that way. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.